critical information. If a tornado was two minutes from your home, would you consider that critical that you found that out? Yes, you would. I promise you. If your doctor prescribed you medicine that was going to help with your blood sugar, blood pressure, cholesterol, and it was going to help, but you also found out after two straight weeks of taking it, your hair and teeth were going to fall out, would that be information you'd want to know? Okay, the hair wouldn't really matter at this point, but I do have a lot of teeth, right? Are y'all with me? Would that matter? Okay, sure, critical information. We're in Colossians 4 tonight. We were in Colossians 1 for two weeks, Colossians 4. We're talking about next level, and in this series, we're talking about next level praying. Taking our prayer life, which is the key to your spiritual life and your relationship with God, to the next level. Colossians 4, and and as I looked at this passage, particularly verse 12, where we're going to be the most this evening, as I looked at it, I realized this is critical information. I mean, this is stuff that you need to know. You need to know, period, but you need to know about prayer. Here's the first thing. Prayer is a battle. Prayer is a battle. How many of you feel like that when you pray, man, it's tough at times? Do you ever feel that way? Good. If you're really praying, you, you feel that way. Verse 12, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand firm and mature, fully assured in all of the will of God. Epaphras was apparently the founder of this church, an evangelist, a preacher. He was one of them. He was from Colossa. And we, we think from the little book of Philemon that, that Epaphras was probably in Rome either under arrest with Paul or he was there assisting and helping Paul. It says he is a slave, a servant, which literally means a slave of Jesus Christ. And you notice what it says here. He's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. If you're taking notes, it's interesting that Greek word struggle is where we get our English word anguish from. But I don't think that's a good understanding of what it, the definition of it in the Greek language, it means agony. But it meant it was an athletic term for laboring. Some translations even say wrestling in prayer for you. Now, I'm from Tennessee, and we spell wrestling, R-A-S-L-I-N there. I know some states up north spell it with a W. But they were he, he always wrestling, laboring, uh, in prayer for you, it, it, again, it's an athletic term for an athlete straining in the ring, right, whether it's wrestling or boxing, or uh, a runner who's running, tr- trying to cross the tape, given everything that they have. It's an interesting word there that he's saying, God through Paul is saying to them, Epaphras, he, he is putting out laborious effort as he prays for you. You've heard the term, they're a prayer warrior. You've heard that, haven't you? Hopefully that's been said about you, that you're a prayer warrior. That's a good definition of someone who prays a lot because it is a battle. Why is prayer a battle? Some of you, maybe you're a new Christian. You haven't quite got to this point where you started to experience the tension of it. But why is it hard to pray? Why is it, why is it easier to sit down and watch TV for eight hours and eat Cheetos than to pray? But why is it, well, there's a lot of reasons, that's true. Why is it easier even to read your Bible than it is to pray? Let me give you two reasons. 
I think, are certainly from the Scriptures. One, it's a fundamental way God's chosen to work. Prayer is a fundamental way God has chosen to work. You hear people say, well, why pray about it? God knows anyway. That, that shows someone doesn't understand or know the Bible at all. I'm going to give you three verses. It would be a lot more, but Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8 You know these, these are great verses. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Verse 8 says, for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks will be opened. Here is the part of that that you can also assume. He who does not ask doesn't get. Who who doesn't seek won't find. And who who doesn't knock won't receive. In James chapter 4 verse 2, subtly at the end of this verse, you desire and you don't have. It's pretty tough. So you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. Listen to that last part. You do not have because what? Read that with me. You do not ask. And he goes in the next verse and says, you ask sometimes and your motives are wrong and you don't get. But isn't it interesting? God says some of us, our marriages, our families, our situations in our life, our church, whatever it is, we, again, we worry instead of praying, and God's saying, you're not seeing things happen because you're not asking me. Prayer is a fundamental way God has chosen to work, to make a difference in our church, your family, and our country, period. Now, here's the second part of this. The devil, the devil knows this. The devil's going to fight your prey. The devil was a, is a fallen angel. He is not God. He is not all-knowing, but he is very intelligent. He is a fallen angel. And the devil knows, he's been around since right after the beginning of everything, he knows that prayer is a way that God has chosen to work. You go, well, man, I pray, it's hard. I struggle to pray. I don't concentrate. I've been a Christian 10, 20, 30 years, and if I have a 5 or 10-minute prayer time, I'm overwhelmed. That's not good, but I'm, I'm trying to give some information that will help you. You're in a battle spiritually. In Daniel chapter 10... Verse 12 and 13 are two curious verses. This is an angel speaking to Daniel. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, and and he prayed, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he's talking about the devil, withstood me 21 days before the archangel Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia. Do you, that, I've never, I need to preach that sometime. That is curious. You know what he's saying there? He, he's saying, Daniel, you prayed, God responded, and the devil interfered You can't make that up. The devil stopped your prayer from being answered. Apparently, Daniel kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. And then here comes Michael, big daddy angel, and he comes in and he makes it happen. That is amazing, isn't it? The devil is fighting your prayers. He's fighting the answers to your prayers. He's fighting you praying. Man, I love to read the Bible. Your nose needs to be in the Bible, but it's easier than praying. I love to sing. I can't do it. I love to preach. I don't know if I can do that. That's your decision. But the devil fights my praying more than he does anything else with all four of his stinking hoofs. T.W. Hunt is a, I believe he's still alive. He's a great Christian leader. He wrote a 
study called Prayer Life. Any of y'all familiar with that? He wrote a study called The Mind of Christ. Very good stuff. T.W. Hunt, who was a music professor at Southwestern Seminary for years, said this, Satan will fight your praying more than anything else. More than your preaching, your singing, your teaching, your study, Satan will fight your prayers more than anything else. You know why? Because he knows that prayer moves the hand of God. When the hand of God is moved, everything changes. So critical knowledge, prayer is not persissies. <laughs> prayer is a spiritual battle. So here's the second question. How do we succeed in prayer? I'm going to tell you this, and after church, you can come and correct me. Just don't scream out right now. I don't think that many of us are doing real good in praying. Now, some of you are, absolutely. But I'm going to guess most Christians are C-minus prayers. We're A-plus criticizers. Not all of you, but there are a lot that are. And we're pretty good at some things, but... We, we've heard about prayer, but we don't do it real well. But the good news is, even if you're an A-plus prayer, you can, you can be an A-plus, plus, plus. It can always be better. How do we succeed at prayer? Because if Satan's going to fight us, it's hard, it's difficult, how do, but it's so important. How do we succeed? Let me give you a couple of thoughts. Make it prayer a top priority of your life. It doesn't need to be an add-on. It doesn't need to be something you do occasionally. It doesn't need to be something you wake up every day and you fit prayer in when you can. It needs to be a priority of your life. Look in chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Steadfastly there means to be devoted to something, endure with it, stay with it. In verse 12, Epaphras is always praying for you at all times. People who, who help with, with time management would tell you, spend a week, and this would be tedious, map out how you use your time. you got to be really honest with you. It's like counting your calories. Yeah, I can always keep my calories under 1,000 if I'm counting. Cindy's counting, we're hitting about 5,000. I'm counting mine, not hers. It's just different, right, because women don't count as well. But, but you can cheat yourself. You can cheat yourself. Count how much time you're, you're playing on your phone, your iPad, your laptop. How much time, and there's nothing wrong with, with, with doing those things some. How much time are you on social media? How much time are you, you watching TV? And then sit down and be honest, how much time do I really spend in prayer? Is it really a priority uh, of, my, of my life? I would tell you that if you're going to be great at prayer, you got to make it a top priority, okay? D.L. Moody was the Billy Graham of the 1800s. And D.L. Moody said this. This was in the 1800s before there were TVs and cars and all these distractions. But people have always been busy, and certain people have been. D.L. Moody said, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. If you've got so much business, you can't spend devoted time in prayer. you got too much going on. Make it a top priority. Here's the second thing. Have a specific time for praying. Can you pray throughout the day? Absolutely. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says pray without ceasing. Pray throughout the day. But, but if you're going to be a home run hitter in your prayer life, it's not going to happen accidentally. It's not going to happen incidentally. 
you're going to have to make it a priority. Set aside a time. I set a, set a time in early in the morning and late at night. Now, it's a lot easier if you're single or if you're married and your kids do not live in the coop anymore. If your kids live in the coop and your kids are little, it's more difficult, isn't it? You either got to lock them in the room during your prayer time or you got to pray around the munchkins, right? Set aside time. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, I love this verse. Mark, it says, and rising very early, this is Jesus, probably this four or five in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, got out of the house, went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus got alone, got up, got his, his coffee, got his iPhone and, you know, looked over his Twitter account, and then he went and prayed, right? He got alone and he prayed. And this was a priority of his life. I want to encourage you, you do that. Set aside a time. And if you're a new Christian, maybe it's 10 minutes a day. Some of you, it needs to be an hour a day. Maybe it's 20 or 30 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night. But if, and I, I'm not being critical, but if all if you're doing is working prayer in, it's not a priority. Make it a priority and set aside a time to do it. And here's the third thing. Know it's going to take discipline. Please don't raise your hand. How many of you want to lose weight? Don't raise your hand. How many of you want to be in better shape? Raise your hand. Do you think it's going to happen accidentally? <laughs> no. It's going to take the ugly word, right? It's going to take discipline. It's going to take effort. In verse 2, continue steadfastly. Devote yourself. Endure with this. Be disciplined in it. We won't look at it on the screen, but again, Epaphras was struggling. He, he, it was a discipline. A great little verse in the Bible for Christians is 1 Timothy 4.7. 1 Timothy 4.7 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Don't, and he's talking about religious stuff. Don't chase silly spiritual stuff. Train yourself for godliness. The word train there is where we get our word gymnasium. It's an athletic term again. Discipline yourself like you would work out your muscles. You train yourself, you discipline yourself to be godly. I want to read you something from a guy named George Mueller. George Mueller was a famous English Christian years ago. He said, it's a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the word of God and to give up prayer when our enjoyment, our thrill of it is gone. It's almost like the devil says to us, if enjoying reading your Bible and enjoying praying is not there, then it's no use and it won't be of value. Mueller says the truth is that in order to enjoy the Bible, we ought to continue to read it. And the way we, to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. The less we read the Word of God, the less we desire to read it. And the less we pray, the less we desire to pray. That is so good. You don't read the Bible and pray just when you feel like it. In fact, when you may benefit the most is when you do it when you don't feel like it. It's funny. I can remember back in the days when I was one of you instead of me and coming to church. And sometimes the coming to church when I didn't want to or it was the most difficult was when God had something for me. And I think the devil knew that. That's the same with your prayer time and Bible. You're never told to pray when you feel like it. You're told to be a man or a woman who prays. Oswald Chambers wrote a beautiful book 
my utmost for his highest. Many of you have read that. If you haven't, you ought to. A great daily devotion. Listen to what Oswald Chambers said. Prayer takes attention. It takes discipline. It takes work. It takes time. And it takes energy. Let me repeat that. That's worth writing down. Prayer takes attention, discipline, work, time, and energy. How many of you would agree with that? Let me give you one other great quote from Dr. Henry Haley. If you're looking for a good one-book commentary of the Bible, Haley's Bible Handbook is a great little book. Haley's Bible Handbook. Dr. Henry Haley said this, To be great in prayer takes a lifetime of study. In other words, you don't graduate. It's a lifetime of study, and it takes severe self-discipline. Critical knowledge. You want to be great at prayer. It's going to take discipline. Now, here's the third question this evening. What should we pray about? When you're praying for yourself, when you're praying for other people, you're praying for our church, our community, our world, what should we pray about? Number one, pray about anything and everything. Isn't that good? I don't know what to pray. Just open your mouth and start talking. Philippians 4, 6. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer. In the, the, the great thing, the word everything in your Bibles means what? Everything. Isn't that complicated? That's not deep enough, is it? It really means only big things. It means everything. Pray about everything. What should you pray about for, for me or your family or your friends or our church? Everything that comes to mind. Everything that's good, pray about everything. But let's get specific on some things he tells us here tonight, too, uh, in, in this passage. Pray that we will know and do what God wants us to do. You want to pray for yourself and for others, for our church, our country, our leaders, that we will know what God wants and that we will do what God wants. This is a kind of a theme in, in chapter 1. He said, pray that we'll know and do the will of God. Verse 12, this is similar. He says, the servant of Jesus Christ, struggle on your behalf that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. The will of God is his purpose. It's in his direction. You don't know how to pray for somebody. One thing good is the more you know about the Bible, the better you ought to pray. Because anything the Bible teaches, you pray for other people. You pray that they'll be saved. They're not a Christian. You don't know if they're a Christian. Pray they'll be saved, and hopefully you're wrong. Pray they'll grow up in Christ. Pray they'll be holy and they'll be pure. Pray they'll obey the Bible. Man, I I pray for some of my people in my circle that don't live around here and some that do. One of the things I pray for them all the time, God, may they get in church and stay in church. That's crucial. That's, they're not people going to go to church here. They don't live here. Pray they'll get active in church. Pray they'll read the, their Bible. They'll pray. Pray that they'll make God decisions about who they date and then who they marry. Pray that they'll be the husband that they should be and that the wife that they should be. Pray that people will know what God wants them to do and that they will do it. Now, let me give you a third thing. And, man, this is a... This is a jewel in the Scriptures. Pray that they will stay in God's will. Pray that we, you, me, and they will stay in God's will. Earlier in this book, he prayed that they would know God's will and do God's will. It's very closely repeated here, not word for word, but pray that people will know God's will and do God's will. About 20 years ago, this verse clicked 
practically and, and personally to me. Look in, in verse 12. He's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in God's will. The word stand there means to be firm in something. It means to be intact. Fully confident, fully assured means confident and secure. You know what he's saying here? He's saying pray that your husband or your wife or your kid or that friend or our church or that situation, pray that they will know God's will and have the guts to do it. Isn't that good? Now, step number two, pray that they will have the courage to do it and that they will hole in and pour concrete around their feet in God's will and stay there. How many of you in your life have gotten in God's will, you made a hard decision, you've gotten in God's will, and it got tough and you backed out? Only two of us. So many of you need to confess your sins of dishonesty when you get home tonight. <laughs> okay? I didn't get married till I was 35. And this is obviously before Cindy. But I would date these girls. And I know you're only supposed to date a Christian if you're a Christian. And so a girl that wanted to go out with a preacher is going to come across as a Christian, right? They carry a Bible and they smile. And, and they're, they're nice, and they should be. And, but just because someone's a Christian doesn't mean it's God's will for you. And, and what I found in, in my life and other singles' life is so you, you're, you're only going to date a Christian, hopefully, and you start dating a Christian. That doesn't mean that's God's person for you. And the Holy Spirit would be telling me or some of my friends, no, this isn't the right person. But then you've started liking them, and it gets complicated, doesn't it? Some of you hadn't dated since 1942, but surely you can remember some of this, Right? And so you like them and you're gooey, and then God's saying, get out of it, right? Isn't that miserable? And then you got to break up. And you break up, and it hurts, and they're crying, and you're upset because you're a good Christian, and you don't like to hurt people. Hopefully, you're not some psychopath that enjoys that. And, and then two weeks later, you're lonely, and you're sad, and you hurt somebody. And Christians don't hurt people. And then what do you do? You get back into relationship again. This passage became real to me with a couple, friends I knew, single. They were both single. And they got into a relationship with each other. They knew it was wrong. It wasn't working out. It was going bad. They broke up. It was good. We were all happy. About two weeks later, I get a phone call. Well, you know what? We're, we're kind of seeing each other again. We're, and... They ended up not getting married, but it was messy and it was difficult. And you know what? That's when it dawned on me. This is what he's saying here. You can be in God's will tonight, but you're going to be tempted to get out of God's will tomorrow. Our church, I, I hope and believe we are in God's will in a general way right now. We might not be in April if we don't guard ourselves. Amen? So we pray for people we love. We pray for our church. We pray for ourselves. God, help us to get in your will. And God, help us to grind down and put concrete around us and stay in your will. Because that's the, God's will is what creates joy and it gives life. Are, are y'all with me on this? You understand? So you're praying for your kids and your kids make good decisions and you're happy, right? And then two weeks later they call you and they're making bad decisions again. And you're sad again. No, nobody's experienced that but Cindy and me, right? 
Alicia's not here, so I can say all this right now. Yes, you understand that. I think you understand that. Paul Cho was a great preacher in Korea for years, pastor of the biggest church in the world. Paul Cho said, how do you get revival? You pray. You pray and you obey. He said, here's what most Christians, most churches do. We pray, revival comes. We have a revival, revival comes. And we're happy. then we quit praying. <laughs> and revival leaves. Cho said, the key to revival is you keep praying all the time. You keep praying people stay in God's will. Know God's will, do God's will, stay firm in God's will. That's pretty good, isn't it? I can say that. I didn't write that. I'm plagiarizing this to you from the Bible. Here's a, here's a fourth thing to pray for. Pray for spiritual maturity. Do you know anybody that needs to grow up in the Lord? If you point at me, I will get you. Always struggling on your behalf that you may stand mature. Mature. Mature means fit for the task. It means grown up. It's the difference in being a kid and an adult. And here, here's my assessment. Some of you who've been in church for years can assess this with me after church. As a pastor, what I think in most churches, what causes problems in most churches is not flagrant sins. And you've got to deal with those when they pop up for sure. But what causes most problems is spiritual immaturity. You've got a 60-year-old who's been saved 50 years but is spiritually a 4-year-old. And they're wearing diapers spiritually. And then people get mad about a song selection or not having a town or having a town or they don't like the way the carpet is or some change that's, that has nothing to do with the Bible but may, may the cosmetic of something. And we get bent out of shape. Most problems in churches, listen, most problems in your families don't happen because two people are growing up in Jesus and trying to do God's will. Amen? Man, pray that all of us keep growing up in the Lord. Spiritual maturity solves a lot of problems. You agree? Well, it does. Here's the last thing I want to tell you. I want to give you a shot of B12 encouragement. You can be super effective, a super effective prayer warrior. Isn't that good? You can be, man. I'm not going to read all this, Jamie, at this point, but in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, it says Epaphras is a minister, but he comes in verse 12 and he says, hey, maybe he's a minister. He's one of you. This is, this is not some highfalutin outside stranger that came in with eight PhDs to instruct them in the Greek language. They already knew the Greek language. This was a guy that had risen up among them who was one of them, but, man, he was known as a prayer champion. Hey, I'm going I'm to give you a thought that many of you already know. You may never be able to sing like Leslie. I never, I love to sing, but you would not love to hear me sing. You may not ever be able to preach. You may not be a teacher. The Bible says not all can heal, not all speak in tongues, not all interpret. We all ought to be servants. Some people have the gift of service. Put Mary C. on those, the, the tickle on the ivories. What a beautiful job she does. I, I took piano lessons for two years as a kid. All I got was beat by my mama for not doing what I was supposed to do. I can find middle C. That's it. But you know what? Everybody in this room can be a prayer champion. Isn't that great? 
Now, nowhere in the spiritual gift list does it say some people have the gift of praying and some don't. I hear people, well, that person has the gift of intercession. That may be true. I don't really know. It doesn't say in the Bible there's the gift of intercession. Listen, I think the closer you get to God, the more you want a God. And the more you realize prayer works, the more you want to pray. You can be a prayer champion. One scholar I read this week said, Epaphras knelt for them so they could stand up. Isn't that great? Who are you kneeling for so they can stand up? You want a great church? I want a great church. Kneel for us. Help us when we make mistakes, but kneel for us a lot more. You, you want a better wife or husband? Come to the marriage conference. I think it'll help. Kneel for them a lot more. Goodness, watch the news for 30 minutes tonight. You'll cry and you'll pray more for our country. We're crazy. Man, kneel so people can stand firm in Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you. I want to start with you Christians. Man, become a man or a woman of prayer. It's a battle. It's not for sissies. But you can do it. Maybe where you're standing or maybe you want to come tonight and pray with the minister, pray at the altar and say, God, place in my heart a passion to spend the rest of my life praying. Do that. Maybe you'd like to join our church. You can, you can catch me at this door after church and we can help you do that. Or you can come when we stand. We are a praying church. Come and join us if God's leading you to. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. Listen, without Jesus, I say this often, you, you don't have anything spiritually. With Jesus, you have everything. You come and give your life to Christ tonight. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting.